You're listening to Thunder Quack Podcast Network. Hello, gang. Welcome back for uh, episode three um, of season four of Riverdale. Of Riverdale. Welcome to Riverdale, gang, the critical commentary watch-along podcast recorded here on unceded Tsleil-Waututh, Musqueam, and Squamish territory. Uh, Vancouver, BC, where Riverdale is in fact shot. Yeah. For the most part. Parts uh, of it really look like Alberta to me. <laughs> I'm Chloe. I'm Ryan. And we are your hosts today. We um are. digging on into a really good episode, I thought. I had fun this week, Chloe. It was um it definitely had its highlights. It definitely, <laughs> definitely had its highlights this episode. I'm really decided excited, excited that we kept going. Yeah. Uh, I feel so refreshed from where I was at, like, late season three. Um, by today, by today's episode, I'm I'm, I'm keen and charged up. How are you feeling, Chloe? I'm feeling good. I, the thing I like about Riverdale is that it has these peaks and valleys. Hmm. And the valleys are when it's, like, pretty, unin- not, in, uh, not uninteresting, it, when it's pretty hmm. standard television. Hmm. Um, and then moments where it's like, <laughs> the example I'm going to use is going to make what I'm about to say a pun, but you don't know that yet. Um, <laughs> where it skyrockets into, um, commentary <laughs> about, um, uh, what's the word I want? I guess American, I don't want to say popular culture, but I guess what I mean is popular culture. Yeah. Um, the, for example, the yeah. moment with Edgar. <laughs> yeah. Is um, from my basic understanding of cult leadership, like not particularly far fetched. Actually, though. Um, actually, though. Um, Betty and Alice within that world, arguably far fetched. Um, yes. They may, in fact, get your pun, Chloe, uh, as we are a very spoiler heavy, spoiler friendly yes, podcast. This is somehow, your first time joining us. Just know what spoiler you're heavy. Up for. Um, I don't know if you were if you were with us last episode. However, mm-hmm. um, you will remember that I had a hell of a time, a heck of a time. Excuse me, this is a family friendly program, <laughs> just like Riverdale. Yes, um, so not. Um, I had a time, at any rate, uh, mm. finding the name of the actor that we recognized. Oh yes, and today Ryan realized that he directed him. <laughs> In a play festival that I think I also directed some, or I wrote You some did. Uh, you directed uh, Nate. You directed oh, that yeah, yeah, forehander. Yeah. Um, yeah, anyway, so uh, Brett, who was played by Sean Deppner, uh, Sean that was Deppner. A, a fun moment, and then I could, couldn't see anything but Sean. So uh, I was a little distracted during the Jughead scenes, realizing, oh, hey, I know you. Yeah, you, like, really know him well, relatively I mean, well. I directed him once like eight years ago and then in You've another had a little conversation short. with him yes. yes we've rehearsed for approximately 20 hours yes so that was uh that was nice having that aha moment oh vancouver you're yeah. so small i don't know um what kind of roles sean has been cast in before now mr Deppner has been cast in before now but he was cast in your play at any rate as kind of a good guy and he's got like mm-hmm. good guy features and i'm excited that in this show he's a villain. <laughs> he was it a appears. charming barista, a supporting romance interest uh, in a, a, this was 2010. It oh was God, called it The was. Price of Coffee. It was a two-hander about a it was woman. It 2011, actually. Oh, thank you, thank you. 
I only know that because 2010 was the gender show and 2011 was when I started you're dating. You're right, you're right. The man that I was directing in my show. My roommate. We have a, a, a convoluted past. I can't wait. I hope we survive into our like 70s or 80s. So around the... I've already forgotten most of it, to be honest. No, exactly. <laughs> so we're going to be sitting around the campfire in the dystopian wasteland and, and during our watch, we will tell stories of our weird, wild art days in our 20s and 30s. Yeah, and then we'll we will listen to like the monopress printing of our podcast recordings from 40 years ago that we pressed onto a crystalline chip before the dark times. Obviously. Yes. We'll be doing all this on a boat because the whole thing will be underwater. This a campfire is how, on a boat. This is how I uh, plan for retirement. <laughs> yeah. Uh, I, on the other hand, am planning a glorified bomb shelter in the form of a self-sustaining farm. Anyway, um, to get back, back to Riverdale and self-sustaining <laughs> farms, in fact, um, we remember where we saw Sean Deppner. Yeah. He, he was very good in that little play. That oh, little yeah, play that Emily Tyler wrote. Yes. Uh, he was a very charming, charismatic, uh, romantic in dress, but also, delightfully, um, a very similar character, just switched from, like, chaotic, or, like, neutral good to neutral evil seems to be only switch here, but same, similar basic personality. Yeah, he danced with a broom. <laughs> So lovely to make that connection in my own brain. Um, and what else this week before we dive on in? Um, I really uh, appreciated this week especially um, the surprising balance between stakes. So um, this this week wrapped up a great deal of um, things that could have been treated as loose ends, but it used them as very camp um, over melodrama. In in a scene in a scene set around um, otherwise f somewhat mundane day to day high school things like we're focused in on the intimacy of, of Veronica's family relationship on the nuances of Archie's career choice as a young man with several options in front of him on yeah. community activism we're focused on Jughead in school and his interpersonal conflicts and then betty drives a bus to steal a cult yeah like but somehow those were brought to a similar enough level and used in a way where i accepted them side by side uh this is this is a balance riverdale has not always achieved in the past hmm. and i thought they did a masterful job in this episode in uh smoothing those things together somehow uh and running whoa Cat, cat on the mic, cat, cat on the mic. Cat on the mic. <laughs> um, yes, Tazzy, you have opinions too. Yeah. Um, we don't speak cat though. Well, you do a little bit. I'm not fluent. So anyway, <laughs> the artistry was wonderful. <laughs> it, that's interesting. I think my favorite moments in... Most stories that I've been following for like a while, you're swiftly turning those headphones into a cat toy. Okay, oh, no. there we go. She's going to figure it out. <laughs> um, by the way, Tazzy is not the first pet I've heard of, heard of, heard of, heard of on a podcast. Um, we have mm -hmm. um, an acquaintance named Sasha mm -hmm. 
whose uh, dog Loki used to be on their podcast with their partner. Yeah, that tracks. And Dario and, and Hairball used to be a regular feature a season yes. two ago. I mean, other than us is what I mean. Oh, yes. I mean, everyone is just like podcasting from their spare room in their in downtime. Of course, our pets wander in. Yes. They should. They're flavor. They're characters. Yes, they are. They're characters. Um, that's interesting that you felt that way about this episode. Um, mm. I didn't dislike it, but I think mm. my favorite moments in long-running stories are um, when the extraordinary stuff is over mm. and the plot that happens after that. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So... Um, I was sort of excited for this season to be kind of like a bit more normal. Fewer cult leaders, mm-hmm. bomb threats, FBI agents, blah, blah, blah. I was sort of expecting it to be a bit more about prom. Mm. Um, so we'll see. I feel like uh, I'm, I agree with you. And I feel like this episode promises a little bit of that. Um, because looking at how quickly several big melodramas are being taken to a head. This tells me they're not the core conflicts, right? Yeah, that's a good point. Uh, Edgar is no longer important in the best way. Yes. He served his function, but instead of pretending that there's an overarching, you know, a four-season plan, they're not continuing... They're, 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 they're letting their subplots finish, that's interesting. Yeah, I think yeah, it's I making, did notice that. It's making good new space. I did notice that. Yeah. Um, well, it's quite... It'd be hard to miss. Yeah. Just like Alice. I also love... Oh, There's like a few things in this episode I really loved. Um, <laughs> One thing I did want to touch on really quick before we get started is um, I discussed in our very first episode, the In Memoriam episode, that I felt quite unemotional when I watched that. Mm-hmm. Um, episode and mm-hmm. I um, I was saying to Ryan on our way here mm-hmm. that um, my I rewatched I think I said this to maybe I just imagined mm-hmm. it um, I saw the Joker tonight and I'm just like not in the mood to enjoy anything that movie was so upsetting um, and has like I, I did, um, what was I talking about oh yeah um, I rewatched a friend of mine had a birthday episode today one. actually but I hung out with him yesterday. Mm-hmm. So rewatching and episode one of I season I rewatched episode one and two of this season, and I felt very, very emotional, actually, mm. um, watching it this time. Mm. So who knows what that was about. Anyway, let maybe, go. maybe, Maybe when you weren't watching it for careful analysis in order to give a 45-minute speech on its merits and artistic design. Maybe you relaxed. Maybe. maybe. <laughs> Who knows? <laughs> These hobbies of ours, eh? Anyway, gang, um, let's jump into the watch along. Okay, let's do it. Um, if you want to sync up your Netflix with our Badooms, yes. we are ready and waiting. And three, are two... you gonna Are you going to sing along to Netflix and I'm going to sing along to yeah. Warner Brothers? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Our old, our old roles. Yeah. No switching. Three, two... One, ba-doom, ba. Bum, 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 bum. Previously on Riverdale. Long lingering shots on JJ. Yeah. At least we're going to like deal with this. I have to say... At like, least we're going to deal with it. Dead bodies and cult leaders and guns feel very different having just seen Joker. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's a weird headspace to bring into yeah. this. It's fine. Cleansing. 
Yeah. Um, yeah. What is this guy's deal? Is Brett? he just a school bully or is he something more sinister like everything in Riverdale is? Well, literally everyone warns Jughead about him, right? Like, everyone's like, watch out for Brett. Um, I I think he might be a bit of a misdirect for <coughs> the teacher, who I still think is uh, an antagonist. Oh, he's the big boss, hey? I think the teacher's the big boss. I think Brett is a pawn. I feel like Brett is like uh, the old Jughead. Yeah. You know, Sith style. There can only be one. Fight and one. kill your predecessor. Um. Now we're back with Monroe. What was I going to say about Brett and the final boss and... <laughs> oh, Kevin wasn't lying. That was something I was just thinking as I went... As I went... We went through the... Um, Oh, through the episode? Things no, you liked? N- no, um, just now the recap, that's the word I want. Oh, right. He wasn't lying. Edgar was mm. building something and had guns. Mm-hmm. I'm Ke- surprised by that. I thought Kevin was lying. Maybe I wouldn't. Is. I wouldn't have been surprised if Kevin was lying. Yeah. Uh, Fangs has some work to do. I'd, I left still, but I'm glad we saw him again. Mm-hmm. He still exists. This fun family awkward dynamic moments. Good uh, good picking up on vibes, FP. He is leveling up his dad game so hard. Yes, he is. <laughs> Especially now that Gina Davis has left him as a single parent. Yeah. <laughs> Aw. I, I, I mean, like, sometimes you are in it in the long haul for the long haul. The long haul doesn't have to be forever. He says long haul, not mm-hmm. forever. Also, some, not all relationships end until death. Sometimes they last until you die. Did you know that one in five marriages are high school relationships? Interesting. In this country at any rate? I'm not surprised by that. I'm I'm terribly interested in what sort of generational changes we might see in those pattern. Um, Yeah. Particularly uh, in a generation where divorce has been normalized. I'm super curious how things may have readjusted from the the sort of overcorrection as that those laws have changed really only over the last two generations. Yeah, since one in two marriages ends in divorce, mm-hmm. what does that mean for that one in five? But also this not was, as many. This was totally unexpected, no. and I was pleased with it. Yeah. And then, and then he became a trauma punch bag again. Yeah, it's a bummer about the bi dude being a trauma punch bag, but at least he's here. I liked how, like, I liked that he wasn't. Um, maybe evil like many queer mm. characters are especially i noticed that like in particular bisexual characters yes i mean actually that's not true bisexual men and gay men i think end up in that evil zone more than other queer characters that i have seen i might mm, be mm, wrong mm. about that yeah it's a super 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 common trope um which uh has a huge history of of queer coding to hide sense hide in censorship and the moral mandate of the Hayes code was that uh, queer characters on screen either needed to learn a moral lesson or die tragically. That's yeah. quite explicitly. And so a lot of, you know, a whole generation of artistic illusion r- read queer as the hot villain. That's how we got, you know, Ursula and Jafar. Yeah. But Well, even yeah. like having just seen Joker, like he does a lot of very fey, like kind of like stereotypically like... Mm-hmm. 
um, gay culture, like giggling and like mm. he does like what mm. in my father's generation, I think would have been referred to as like swishy stuff. Mm-mm. You know what I mean? And it codes mm-hmm. as like evil and like not like it's, oh my God. Anyway. I mean, that's also <laughs> coding within a context within an extremely uh, masculine normative mask like gender um transversing gender Mm -hmm. can be such a a coding in in pop culture for transversing other um yeah totally other things um i'm not surprised they kind of uh loosely sissied up the joker for yeah. transversive ways. Not at all surprised from everything else I've heard about that. Yeah. But meanwhile, anyway, I talked over to make, Monroe. Not, yeah, not to make this a Joker podcast. I'm sorry. I actually don't want to I'm keep sure there's someone where else in, in Thunder Quack who can um, analyze that for you. Yes. Um, one thing I, I do like that, like, Archie is becoming the new Fred and is investing in Riverdale. Like, mm-hmm. I think that's a nice touch. Mm-hmm. It mm-hmm. doesn't surprise me. No, it's it's a very um, organic feeling choice. Yeah, this surprised me. Yes. This sequence, like just executing a pizza delivery <laughs> guy who happens to work get for him. the FBI. It's get him. Get him. Um, I never really bought the character of Evelyn. Also, how are they mm. getting dialysis in this motel where they can't even get food and water? I'm just saying. <laughs> um, That's why we wrap up quickly, okay? I mean, um, they clearly weren't so worried about Evelyn's dialysis if she's going to drive a bus off the cliff. Oh, yeah. As, true, true uh, before Edgar explodes. Like, we're... That would have been, like, a cool moment, though, if, like, Evelyn's walking around looking weak and, and like, coughing or whatever it is that, like, codes for... Dying of yeah. kidney failure? Um, jaundiced, if she was jaundiced. jaundiced. And someone's like, like, even Betty or someone is like, are, like, are you dying? And Evelyn's like, I don't need it anymore, or whatever, you know? <laughs> So here okay. we are with um, a very real issue. Mm-hmm. Cheryl is a young woman who's suddenly become a caretaker for an elder. And let's, two let's, small children. Let's put this adjacent to... Yes, and two, and two small children. Adjacent to the crazy body thing. Mm-hmm. Adjacent to the corpse obsession. Cheryl and her partner here who, thank goodness she has Tony helping her out. Yeah. For being a primary carer for three people. Is, uh, it's big. Tony, of course, making all the rational decisions. Like, we saw her granddad in her, Mm -hmm. in his trailer. Like, she's like, oh, good. Like, my girlfriend has money. Let's hire a caretaker. Mm -hmm. That, that is my day job, in fact. Uh, one of my many day jobs is elder care, aid, and recreational therapy. And, like, yep, this is, this is accurate. Nana needs help and support. Nana needs comfortable, friendly, familiar people who she can express her melodrama to in healthy daily ways. So maybe she wouldn't spout prophecy every other season. Yeah. This prophecy is just built up, built up isolation. Yeah. (sighs) And Cheryl's clearly not, you know, she's doing well here. She's a family member coping, but she is clearly not a confident, comfortable caregiver. She's never had to take care of a thing in her life mm-hmm. until the last year. And now she's taking care of three live and one dead human mm. with, uh, with, with her high school girlfriend, who is awesome. But also, you can only ask so much. Yes. I think high school girlfriend is going to get worn out from emotional labor. <laughs> Just a touch. I mean, it's... At that point, it's well beyond the uh, emotional, 
labor at that point it's your like manage co-managing a household i like that they just dropped in this cheesecake and yeah. then it happened and then it was gone um also hilariously i uh a company I work with this did this exact same thing this summer. We had a sexy car mm-hmm. wash for a fundraiser. It it doesn't actually pull as much as you want it to, even when sexy people work hard. Uh, it is. Yeah. I I laughed out loud because uh, I had the exact same moment, in the same f- price range of four grand, four hundred. Mm. <laughs> we wanted to see Kevin with his shirt off. We did. Um, I also think it is important to note that, uh, ooh, I like that thing mm-hmm. that, um. What's important to know, Chloe? What do you sorry, like? Sorry, I'm distracted by the fact that, like, um, someone threw water on Archie and it didn't land and the money landed instead. That was oh, a cool shot. that was um, very slick, yes. Also, I did, I did notice that, um, they're, they're minors, Veronica. Yes. I mean, this didn't stop the speakeasy. They and this didn't stop the minors. Betty Strip tease. They are all still minors. I agree. I don't. <laughs> I don't approve. I fully agree. Um. <laughs> no, Betty. It's me, the voice of white evil America. I, um, oh, uh, hey, Tazzy. Sean Deppner, there he was in the credits. Oh, yeah. Tazzy, Taz, Tazzy, Tazzy up and bit me, which is what the, but not hard. It was a gentle, I don't want to be pet now, but it was a communication. That is how I'm taking it. So we're back with Edgar and Tazzy. Edgar Edgar and Tazzy. So again, going back. So I have a, I have a penchant for reading about cults. For some people, it's true crime. Mm -hmm. For me, it's cults. Mm. And um, I'm not quite at the same level of cult obsession that like people who are obsessed with true crime are obsessed with. I just want to (laughs) say. But it's a, Um, it's a hot pet interest, a hobby reading. It is a pet interest. Yes. Messed up human things. Yes. Cult leaders are really not that different from Chad Michael Murray and his silly shirtless <laughs> wandering around the, what's the English word for PCN? What? Um, the courtyard? Swimming pool. Swimming pool. <laughs> and, uh, yeah, I, I think you're, I, I, yeah, he's playing a spectacular charisma bomb of a person. Um, and I think, yeah, I think he's a really dashing, dashingly generic, but still really effective cult yeah. leader. Now we're back in the reading room. Yeah, I love that, like, all of the girls, the two girls, rather, and then <laughs> the black guy are like, yes, we know what we're supposed to say now. And then... When do I get out of here? When's graduation? <laughs> yep. And the handsome white boys argue about nuance. Oh my god, I know it's so annoying. And genre, pulp, oh, oof. <laughs> so, the de- the deriding of pop culture and pulp is an... In- I find it interesting that they put those words in an antagonist mouth specifically. Mm-hmm. And into a hubris overblown American Psycho author parody character mm-hmm. um particularly that uh roberto aguirre Sacasa, um a lot of his body of work has been about dissecting the melodrama and the camp and the pulp and putting this high artistry into it even when it is pulp um i suppose jughead is very voice of the author in this plot in that regard a bit uh, or that's what i'm reading into that arc anyway hmm interesting so <laughs> 
Well, this guy is like, I haven't felt this sorry for a tall, muscled white man on television in so long. I just feel so sorry for this guy who's just trying to be nice to the old lady. Yep. He's just trying to do his job. Uh, in care work, it is often the family who are much harder than yeah. the clients. <laughs> I know. <sighs> oh, my, yeah. My grandmother used to, <laughs> not my nana, but my grandmother used to um, just fire her care workers. And my aunt would oh, have to, like, no. call them and, like, get them to come back. Oh, no. Oh, my God. It was so much. Like, I, like, she just didn't want people in her home. Like, I oh, get yeah. it. She was old. Yeah, yeah, it's stressful. And it's difficult to acclimatize, yeah. too. Like, Cheryl's struggle here is real. <clears throat> Tie on the door. <laughs> Tie on the door. I forgot. <sighs> but that's what that is. Of course, the teachers would know what that is. Yeah, you're not being subtle, y'all. Whatever. We're at a contemporary <laughs> high school. Cole Sprouse plays up the um, discomfort in this scene really well. Flustered, awkward boy. Yeah, flustered, awkward. He's well done. Yeah. Good flustered, awkward. Thank you, Cole Sprouse. I'm curious about this Donna character and if she will be further developed. Yeah. Hmm. So, tying the tying Brett character to immunity, power, yeah, invulnerability. It's very stock, but I'm I'm liking it, and it's yeah. it's so heavy handedly foreshadowed that um like I, I I'm liking that heavy shade. I think that might be something that brings this very mundane day to day up alongside the really high fantasy ridiculousness of several other plots here. Maybe there's there's a little bit of a firm stare, look at the camera, say yeah. the foreboding line. Yeah, that. Interesting. Two or three people drop in sequence. Hmm. Um, one thing I do think is kind of nice about um, uh, poor old Marmaduke's um, <laughs> trauma punch bag is that it is not queer trauma that is punched. Yeah. It's, That's nice. It's unrelated trauma. He just happens to be queer. You see what it's like to be a queer person watching <clears throat> television? We're so pleased that this trauma punching bag <laughs> doesn't have... The trauma that is always the trauma. <laughs> yeah, they didn't punch him in the wounded spot. That is the same wounded spot that we get punched in. <laughs> they punched him in a different spot. That's ridiculous about a gargoyle king yes. dad. I must say, um, bisexual lady types such as myself are not quite as often as punching bags as gay men. Mm. And um, you okay. know where if you speak and I want to acknowledge that. It's a very different type of punching bag. Yeah. Each queer community experiences discrimination in distinct and unique ways. Yeah, but trauma trauma isn't distributed evenly, though, I don't think. Oh, no, totally. Yeah. But trust me, it's not the cis men who have a um, monopoly on the trauma. See, this is another thing about queer people. Is we're all like, no, 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 you are no, truly but yours more traumatized. Is what, but yours. Like, I couldn't even. I'm so lucky and privileged. <laughs> so meanwhile, Betty is negotiating yeah. C4 off Polly. This and is like a Charles, bold strategic move from Charles Edgar. Charles is a terrible guardian. 100%. Who is this man who talks a teenager? There is a room full of FBI agents and they decide to talk the teenager through this bomb diffusing yeah. This is a choice. I hope that when Alice has all three of her kids in the same room, she gives them all very different lectures. I will laugh. And I will enjoy it. I mean, she also started this whole damn thing by becoming an FBI informant on a cult in the first place. Let's yeah. remember, Mama so Cooper started the, this problem. Yeah. 
so the only thing I like about this sequence is that Betty uses her hairpin. Her signature hairpin. I love that. Saves everything. Everybody get down. That's enough dynamite to blow a tiny crater in this little moon. Yeah. Um, I really enjoyed Polly's performance in this. It was very like day player on Law and Order, Mm. um, which was a very effective switch for this moment in role. I thought she did really well with that, that vibe. Hmm. And because it really was on her to set the urgency in that, um, in a, in a very big way. Yeah. This is actually uh, a really fun English teacher exercise. This is the kind of thing I would have eaten up. Hmm. So I have a question. Why do they keep focusing on the side of this teacher's head with his like swirled buzz cut? Like he almost has a pattern. I mean. Is that on purpose or does he just have like patterned hair? I I, I don't. I mean, unless they're hinting that he's a little bit fascist, which, you know, given the the kind of traditional boys school era novel film runs between 1940s and 1980s give or take Mm. so yeah those are all times when fascism was expressed with buzz cuts just like today maybe he's a fascist i was thinking more of like cute little east fan like racing stripe situations unless you're talking about white liberals as white supremacists which is also a conversation we could have on this very light podcast both things can be coded by buzz cuts chloe (laughs) um back to marmaduke and his real problems this is Mrs. Monroe. M names. New M names for people who already have other M names. Yes, many it's... M names in this show. <laughs> There's a... also um, many M names in the cast. I frequently say either Madeline Petch or Madchen Amick when I mean the other one. There is no stopping, oh, Edgar. Poor Polly. Polly's had a rough go. Yeah. Like. Out of everyone who's alive, still. <laughs> yeah. Is anyone in Riverdale okay? Who's okay Probably in Riverdale? Probably not. Like, actually, though, is anyone who we've been introduced oh, I see. to? Um, Melody. Which one's Melody? One of the pussycats. We haven't heard from her in three seasons. She's fine. Probably. <laughs> Women in the Pretty Poisons are probably fine. Relatively. Relatively. Oh, yeah. One of them is a DJ. We saw. Yeah. It doesn't need to be cash. No, um, I'm sure cult leaders are great with exchanging fine jewelry. <laughs> Turns out he would have been fine with that. But um, there are not many situations where you can negotiate with Fabergé eggs. What was the money for? Was that just a power play? Yeah, I think it was... Well... Presumably the whole thing was just a power play. Well, yes. Can I get this teenager to bring me a bus for the murder bus? I know people. Who's the first person? Tony. I love Tony's like, are you serious right now? What is going on? <laughs> and then she just does it. Yeah. Because she can. Yeah. <laughs> and she really, you really can't get into why you need 40 passports. No big. This is fine. This is normal small town gang operations, right? Tony's yeah, smart enough. She's probably guessed. <laughs> Tony just rolls with it. The, how many favors must Tony have banked? I don't know. At this point. Like, she's brought brought the cavalry in literal ways several times to blood fights. 
Yeah. Mm. I have something I must tell you. Yes. Which is that I need to change how I'm sitting. Please hold this headphone. <laughs> I do remember well, what happened. Well, Betty makes other choices, and Tazzy is so sprawled on you. Yes. This looks dangerous. Get ready. But it's Tazzy dangerous. Gang. Get ready, gang. You are about to hear some Meow. meowing. Yes. <laughs> As the bus pulls in. Ominously. Very ominous. Re- well shot scene. Um, This episode is also very good with the um, non-diagenic soft scoring. Mm. The the very um, you know little stings that hit us, jump us between tones and moods, um, rather than the big pop culture booms that we sometimes get. I, I thought it was effective for um, for the mood that we are going mm. for. Um, really bright colors in Betty's whole arc. This episode, she's in bright pink. Um, this whole um, uh, motel is very like explosive like coke gang 70s surreal vibe that i'm getting like look at these hard oranges yeah the kind of um holiday shirt uh this set is so rich like it and it it's clearly you know they chose it for just this episode so where is this set i don't recognize it but it's an interesting architecture yeah, I don't know. I don't recognize this spot. Um, mm-hmm. So I just feel the need to point out, <laughs> I pointed this out while I was watching it with Ryan, that the... Um, the... Uh, the beret? The group that I recall in American history most distinctly wearing black berets are the Black Panthers. Hmm. I'm like, it's just weird to see a black beret in this situation on Evelyn and then on Betty. You know? I, it didn't ping for me. It might be a Canadian American zeitgeist thing. It, um, but I did notice this time she's wearing a yellow piece T-shirt. Mm-hmm. I do think there are some specific dated counterculture things now on the second watch. That's oh maybe I I'm seeing more of the illusions, uh, and I uh, point taken on that not yeah. being a good issue, uh, a good thing to just throw around as dressing. I mean, maybe I'm making a mountain out of a molehill. Like, I really don't know. But what, like, what else do we do? The, Chloe, the, the, we have a podcast all I about know, the molehills. But that's, that's sort of what pings for me, and it doesn't feel like... Because the Black Panthers weren't a cult, you know what I mean? Like, it mm-hmm, doesn't feel mm-hmm. like it fits. Right. Um, I like this sense? Jughead scene. Yeah, little, I did too. A touch over the top compared to everything else in this uh, high school, but it fits. Again, they, they, they amped up this, um, you know... Uh, Dead Poet Society ish. Yeah, remember that time tone. when um, Jughead was a gang lord. <laughs> yep, Jughead does too. It seems. Yes. Brett does not. Useful skills. <laughs> and everyone else is just like, oh, oh, dang, the new guy, the new, what's he doing with that tie? Why is he rolling his tie up? What? Oh, I didn't notice the music this time around. Mm. It's very placid. Subtle. Yeah. Sets a tone. So that clarifies. Mm-hmm. This is a uh, total tangent, but just we're talking about music and scoring. Mm-hmm. Um, I uh, want to recommend a podcast called uh, It Makes a Sound. It's a narrative podcast from uh, the Night Vale Presents folks. Okay. And it's about a woman who uh, starts a podcast. Yeah, yeah. It's it's a it's a it's, it's a fake in world podcast. It's a uh 
tribute music podcast to a small town band from her childhood Mm -hmm. when she has to move back to her suburban house to take care of her mother uh, who is uh, living with severe dementia. Mm. And so it's like a 10-piece story of that told through this increasingly fanatical fan podcast that this woman is doing in her downtime. The only thing she get has going on in her downtime. Um, and it deals beautifully with themes of elder care, with themes of um, music and memory. Um, this ep- it, it, It's been on my mind this week, just as one of my favorites. It's a nice, complete, done season. Easy to listen to. Uh, very musical. And um, the Nana Rose content actually made me think of it this week. Um, Interesting, Just the elder yeah. care discussion. Um, so... Total tangent while we listen to, uh, Jaime Luna, Hiram Lodge. I hate him. I, I just, I don't like the character anymore. Mm. I think, I think what it is, is it's the same, it's the same evil every time. Like it hasn't mm. really modified in a bit. Right. He, his evil hasn't grown particularly. Um... The the dyna- the family dynamic here was um unrealistic but or not um but right for the tone and story I thought. Um I Ooh. liked that Hiram pops in when Veronica needs the narr- narratively relevant bump. Like it's very, very narratively clean, uh, in an episode that juggles four big plots. Mm. Um it's one of the very personal, intimate uh, dynamics. Yeah. That worked really well this episode, I thought. Um, unrealistic in an effective way. I found... I was disappointed in Mary Andrews here when she just didn't want to mm-hmm. see the good that could be done. I'm so here for that, though. I uh, disappointed, but I'm really pleased that I got to be disappointed in her. Um, she's been very perfect as a parent, mm-hmm. um, which I, which it is a little bit easier to do when you are not the primary parent in a separate separated household. Yeah. Um, but I I really liked this. Pl- again, it's not super subtle or nuanced it was a bit clunky perhaps mm-hmm. in the brevity of 40 minutes with four big plots but um i liked that she made bad calls based on worries i liked that she overprotected and she, they brought her personal um biases into her mistakes in a way i haven't seen from that character uh we know she left riverdale we don't know why her and fred broke up but they drop just a few hints to give a, a real pathos to her protectiveness here, I thought. Um, yeah. And I also really like that um, Archie makes bad life choices in anger in reaction to a fight. That's something that really struck uh, true to me as well. This is an absurd choice. He's superheroing straight up. He is being Luke yeah. Cage right now. Um, but he does this in response irrationally, like, like a teenager like a young, rash person in response to a fight with his mom about college and moving. Um, 
spectacularly marrying these extremely surreal genre um, plots, this gorgeously lit um, parking lot fight yeah. in, in blues and yellows and, and black. You know um, Sorry, go ahead. And, like, this is on the CW, you know, this is, this is on the network of the superhero shows, the, the medium-budget superhero shows. And so the visual illusions here, I think, are perhaps all the more stark considering the network and TV context where many people watch it, not on Netflix. Netflixed. Um, but yeah, yeah, I liked it. I liked that. And then this conversation happens, yeah. and then Archie doesn't get caught in his lie. Well, yeah, I know, <laughs> which is great. Um, something I do, um, I did notice suddenly about this episode is mm-hmm. that it's, um, it's saying, it's touching on a bunch of old plot lines, mm-hmm. like Hiram, like Edgar, yeah. like Archie, or yeah, Archie the Vigilante. Mm-hmm. And um, yeah. I wonder if it's sort of like, tipping its hat to all the old stuff in this episode. Oh, I, I think so. I think that's very intentional. I, I agree with that. Which means that we're going to get something really new next week, hopefully. I agree. Um, I, I fully agree. I, um, I think Jughead's plot presents us a lot of new. Mm-hmm. Um, Veronica, Archie, and Betty each revisit some major pathos. And, um, gosh, the whole... Did you body move and it winds up being a rat thing? Yeah. Gosh. I like that. That was a really fun, like, gross, practical touch. This is the first uh, episode that really embraced the body horror and the, like, horror of what Cheryl's doing and let her see it and react to it, I think. Mm-hmm. Um, but, uh, oh gosh, what was I saying before Cheryl stole the scene? Who knows? Cheryl stole the scene. Oh, new plots. Jughead. Oh, yeah. yeah. Um... In quite often, I find super, you know, super real shows, hyper realistic shows. Um, they will sometimes try to reset to normal, and it can be very transparent and very uh, sloppy. Mm-hmm. And I, I've rarely seen it done well. And I, f- I feel really good about this uh, episode's attempt to reset to normal because I feel like. Rather than resetting the world, they're resetting for us, the viewer, what normal is. We're recalibrating really effectively in this episode. Yes. Um, and things that could have been loose ends that needed neat tying up, not wise, have instead been comfortably woven back into the new normal on several key accounts here. Yeah, that's interesting. Mm-hmm. Um, I did like that moment where Monroe was like, so... We can't use this money, but your girlfriend can maybe help. And then the girlfriend, who's like a different type of moral compass. crime experience, I guess I would say, is like, no, we can't even launder this. Like, we got to no, we got to burn it. Archie has a strange council of ex-cons and yeah. never been cons. I don't really think of Monroe as like a con, like an ex-con. I think of him as like probably like had a rough go at school probably through no fault of his own and ended up in juvie yeah like most likely experienced poverty and extreme violence yeah as is being echoed in his his brother's story here quite uh directly oh i agree but uh i yeah i think ex-con is 
just is kind of like a stereotype label, I guess. Um, I'm putting more, I, I think I'm going more the, um, the societally imposed stigma on him mm. for, for having been in juvie, mm. I guess. And the, like, the, the skills you bring, you bring out of that. Mm. Um nods in this scene to mm-hmm, mm-hmm. um Cheryl and Cheryl sorry um Miss Antoinette no 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 um Betty, Betty and, and her mom being Betty like of course he built a rocket <laughs> right yep this okay, is we're fine we're gonna get out of this like this Indiana Jones and his dad and then they do um so much good stuff for Matt for for both Madeline Patch and Madgenamic yes this week Thistle House has never had rats, except Thistle House has never, well, no, I was going to say, Thistle House has never had corpses sitting around before, but that's probably a lie, knowing the Blossoms. This Uh, is... Poor Darius. Poor Darius, poor Tony. (laughs) It's like... Poor Nana Rose, too. Poor Cheryl, I guess. Ultimately, yeah, all of them are in a bad situation. Um... Poor Nana, who is just, like, literally set deck here. Yeah, she probably too. liked Darius. He was probably very nice to her, Darius. Possibly. Tony's if like, nothing oh, else, this sucks. I, maybe she hates everyone. We don't know Nana Rose, really. We only know her prophecies. I am comfortable with this goodbye to Evelyn. Yeah, I never liked this character. I am good with this scene. I, yeah... Yeah, her 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 motivation was never quite <laughs> sensible this is to me. Really, really silly, but it's kind of fun. I'm so here for it. For it. this this wow. intense like killing Eve punch of just mother and daughter going off with a gun and <laughs> dealing with the cults and ugh. <laughs> took it off some low life drug dealers. <sighs> Archie has such a strange sense of what favors are small and what favors are big. Mm. Loan $40,000. Big favor. Launder $40,000. Small. Yeah. (laughs) It's true. Let, Let your girlfriend help you. Some men aren't very good at it. It'd be so nice if we saw it in television more. It is also... A thing that Veronica is clearly expressing here. I need, I want in. I don't, you know, I'm not obligated. Yeah. I'm interested. Yeah, and clock that's that guy. Clock him. Yep. Yeah. I love how he's, smoothly he's this, this, this is so metatextually self-aware as Alice says, yeah, you just tell them. What is this jacket? This shot is spectacular. You just tell a people authoritatively what to do. See... This is, I'm, I'm loving, I'm loving this Alice. Like, I love how competent Alice is here. Um, I'm glad we actually get, I'm glad we get Weatherby back. I'm, I'm curious if we're going to do anything with him. Um, I hope so because Betty had a sudden and dramatic and meaningful interaction with him here. Yeah. I hope he becomes like the, the students like champion against the new potentially oh, evil principal. That would make me happy. That would be nice. That would be nice. A nice role. I really liked Weatherby in the comic books. Um, he's a very dated character who I'm not surprised they have uh, relegated to the sidelines. 
But, um, yeah, I liked that little moment a lot. Mercenaries! Oh my God, where are they? It Is looks that all like green screen. It's got it's got that like European villa vibe, right? That God. kind of looks like the roof of the conserva- the Blowdown Conservatory, but I don't know. <laughs> I don't think it is. I'm just. I mean, it could be. It's Vancouver. Oh, There's only so go. many glass houses. I would love to know how wrong I've been. <laughs> About all the places I've guessed that this is shot. We should tally our guesses one day. Our Vancouver hubris. Yeah. I um I liked the level of tension here. Yeah. I I actually really enjoyed this this tone. Um, yeah. This level of action also. tone. Um, I trusted it was going to be filling and not switch mode into sad mom grieving, especially having uh, just lost Fred Andrews. Uh-huh. But. It was just tense enough for me to be on the ride of the action film, yeah. like, intense surrealism. Edgar's ended. I also find it interesting that she shot him twice. I thought for a sec he'd shot himself. <laughs> I I mean, he might have taken a crack at her and missed, but yeah, yeah. I'm, I'm good with Alice shooting twice. She's... doesn't leave loose ends. Yeah. Aw. This young actor's having a nice time with those younger actors. It's nice. Yeah. You know when you like notice a moment of chemistry, kind yeah. of like in the so, background of a shot. That was fun to shoot. Yeah. <laughs> I really like this conversation I, between Archie and his mom too. Yeah. I appreciate that this parent sees their grieving kid and is like, "Cool, I'm gonna stay here and I'm gonna do some changes, mm-hmm, and mm-hmm. I'm gonna like meet him, meet him in his field." You know? Mm-hmm. Instead of telling him to leave the thing that's scaring me, I'm going to help him do it right. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Such a parent thing that, like, I clock a lot in media that makes my heart go schmoosh. Mm-hmm. Um, like, after after my parents split up when I was in high school, um, my mom kind of put the option to me, do I want to... She She was down for moving to... Any number of cities. Uh, she was very interested in the West Coast at the time. Oh. Um, but she gave me the option of, do you want to stay in this school? Do you want to stay in the area? Uh, and I always appreciated that. It's something that always pings in parents and TV uh, with those big moving choices, giving the kids agency. Wow, that's cool. Yeah, I, I always appreciated story. that. She she rubs it in my face a lot when she visits me out here now that we could have been living here since grade six, seven. <laughs> but adolescence would have been very different, Ryan. Right. <laughs> um, <clears throat> I do like that I didn't clock it the first time. Mm-hmm. Oh, I'm going to talk over this fabulous rap moment. Yep, please um, do. I didn't clock the first time that um, uh, Veronica makes a point about not being able to escape your name mm-hmm. by picking the name that he tried to escape. Ugh. Completely. I mean, and his speech is so set up to be counterpointed, right? This is a very calm reaction given what she's looking at. Mm -hmm. And Cheryl's reaction is just as what the hell as it needs to be. Yeah. We see just how messed up this is. I'm so glad the show shows they know it, that they get how messed up this plot is. Ugh. Man, kids are jerks sometimes. Kids are jerks. Poor Moose slash Marmaduke. 
Oh no, is Brett going to be Jughead's new roommate? <laughs> I'm cool with that. Maybe it'll be the other guy in the class. Give Sean more screen time. He's a fine antagonist. Yeah, but maybe it'll be the other guy in the class and they'll become buddies. That'd be good too. Yeah. That said... <laughs> so, I love that Betty has been in a cult compound and her mom has like shot a cult leader <laughs> and Jughead is complaining about school. <laughs> Oh, I didn't catch that first time, but yep, you're right. She's had she's had a day. Mm-hmm. Hey, how's your mom and Polly, by the way? <laughs> uh, <sighs> they really got that growth. lined up real quick. Is it shady? Probably. It's Riverdale. Riverdale has a bad history with their mental health institutions. Mm-hmm. Sisters of Quiet Mercy, baby. Mm, truly. And then we get to our season four well, plot. Well, the thing is it looks hook. like a black hood tape, and I want to know if we're getting that back because mm. I don't want it. I mean, if we do, it better be something fresh and new. I could see it being re- related to both the um, the Halloween episode season two that we've never circled back to. and Or season three, sorry. The really cool one with the weird genre mystery warning or it could be um the return to archie's vigilantism could be a different angle on the black hood could be uh get remembering his original motivation in the comic that he had in the comic in his in his uh garage yeah i'm here for this mystery um what a nicely wrapping up wrap what a neatly wrapped pile of old plots yeah um carefully sorted based on freshness Mm -hmm. and remaining shelf life and then tidied in order yeah for something new yeah i liked Mm. that episode a lot more the second time Mm. i was into it me too and i'm i'm relaxing and letting myself be into it um they've hit a really nice level of ridiculous for me yeah really sweet spot of ridiculous Um, they're blowing, they're like, they are taking this cult mercenary thing as seriously as they took the quarantine, except they're not, uh, building us up for a big old zombie quarantine arc. They're just... But they didn't take the quarantine that seriously. Exactly. Oh, that's your point. Exactly. Got it. Got it, got it, got it, got it, got it. Dude had a rocket on the roof that he built and an American flag suit. Like, that was a special type of serious today. But it worked. Yeah. And they 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 stayed within the constraints of a B-plot resolution with last season's main plot. Yeah. Like, really well-balanced. Yeah. It was good. And on to JJ and on to the tape next week. I think those are our big plot hooks that are going to lead us to the missing Jughead. Um, surprisingly, no no flash forward this episode. Yeah. Uh, I wonder if it... Huh. Oh, right, it is Jughead who goes missing because they're calling his name. Yeah. Still could be a Is it Brett or the teacher? Is it Brett? Or is it the entire class? Oh, man. I hope Brett gets to be like a serial killer sociopath who murders Jughead. What if Donna and Brett... Wow. 
Um, what just if, only what because if Donna I and Brett are playing Jughead, like are both playing Jughead, though that would be cool. Oh yes, I think the politics of this class are going to be way more nuanced, and I think it's the teacher. I fully think it's the teacher. But if Brett <laughs> becomes like an American Psycho, uh, Jughead murderer, I mean, I'm literally only on board for this now that it's not Brett. Now that it's this dude I remember yeah. because. I would be delighted by this dude I remember murdering Jughead on TV. That would be really good for Sean's <laughs> career. Wouldn't it? Arguably. I would, I would assume. It'd be a step for Coles, for Cole Sprouse's. <laughs> Cole Sprouse has his career made for him. Maybe. Mm. He's a wonderful photographer. Like, if he doesn't oh, yes. decide to keep being a movie star. <laughs> oh, yeah. Like, yeah. No, that that's what you mean. Yeah. Yeah. I don't think his TV career is at all cinched. No, I mean, well, I mean, I don't know from television careers, to be honest, but I, mm. I guess I mean, like, um, I think, I think it is possible that Cole Sprouse has access to several different <laughs> types of movie scripts that come under, movie and TV scripts that come under his nose. Mm. I don't know. Dear Cole Sprouse, I'm sorry for speaking for you. That is just something I suspect with my very basic knowledge of how television and film works. It's basic. The but, end. You're sincerely a fan. Um, but um, uh, it's possible that a grad from the National Theater School does not have those options. And if Sean gets to play the killer of Jughead on Riverdale, <laughs> he might have those options suddenly. That'd be cool. Also, Cole Sprouse has that ABC Disney money and that Friends residuals money. Cole Sprouse is fine. Cole Sprouse yeah. probably doesn't actually need a career, but thus can be wow. his bohemian arts nerd self or whatever. It's true. We do all need a thing. Well, we, hobbies at least. We all need yeah. occupation, dear. Yeah. I sometimes think hobbies are the real job in some ways. I mean, that might be the perspective of a, a young freelancing working artist in our late 20s, early 30s. That's not quite what I mean. What I mean is hobbies are the real, <laughs> are where people do the thing that is real to them. Oh. That's what I mean. Hmm. I think that's an, I think that's an option. I. <laughs> Thank you. No, no. I, um, <laughs> that, that sounds very condescending. Sorry. Um, no, I, what I, what I, I mean is. Mistake. It was, that's um, why it was funny. No, I meant it exactly. Oh. <laughs> it wasn't a mistake. Oh. Um, okay. what, I, what I mean to say, though, with that is, um. I like to I like to say that um, everyone needs something, but what that something is can be so many different things, and how you orient your life depends so much on what that something is. If that something is your leisure time, you you know that that has such an impact on your career choices. You want careers that will give you the stability and resources to engage with your leisure. Yeah. So often, oftentimes that is family or home raising. Oftentimes that is a career for people who are deep career passionate. Um, but I think like all of those things can interchangeably be, you know, your, your reason, your energy or your, your main motivator. Yeah. Um, but I do, I do agree that for many people, uh, something that is a hobby is the number one. Yeah. Um, and they're, you know, that's, I think, a spectacular way to use a great deal of middling, necessary, administrative, and labor jobs that are, are not fulfilling and are not fun 
um, but can often finance your passions and give you that flexibility and freedom. Yes. Just a little career advice from the host of Riverdale Gang Podcast. <laughs> Is there any advice in that? Probably. Um, I think <laughs> I have said what I need to say about this episode. What about you, Ryan? I am good. I'm waiting for next week. I'm, I'm here. I'm signed in. All right. I'm waiting for some quick and easy Cheryl progress. Yes. I want things to move quickly there. Let's, uh, <laughs> but I feel, like, I feel like they know what they're doing now. I've, 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 trust is restored slightly. Till next week, gang. Till next I week. am Ryan. I'm Chloe. And this has been the Riverdale Gang podcast. See you next week. Good night.